So now we start on what is normally considered the major part of the Mass after the Liturgy of the Word. Two weeks ago we covered the preparation of the altar and its prayers. I finished with that section reminding that you that you have a part in the sacrifice of the Mass. Your offering is yourself. As the priest prepares the bread and the wine, you are called to offer yourself as a sacrifice in service to God. Put yourself in the ciborium with the hosts, or in the chalice with the wine. Uh, that's enough of a review. So, we move into the preface of the Eucharistic prayer. There are three invocations that begin each preface that call us to prepare our hearts to be in service to God. There are many prefaces in the Roman Missal. Some of them are general in category, and some of them are very specific to specific feast days. But they all have things in common. They are addressed first to God, most often to the Father, with a prayer that calls to mind a major part of our faith, whether that is specifically to a feast day or to some aspect of our salvation, depends on the preface. Here's the preface from All Saints' Day, which we celebrated this week. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For today, by your gift, we celebrate the festival of your city, the heavenly Jerusalem, our mother, where the great array of our brothers and sisters already gives you eternal praise. Towards her, we eagerly hasten as pilgrims, advancing by faith, rejoicing in the glory bestowed upon those exalted members of the church through whom you give us in our frailty both strength and good example. And so we glorify you with the multitude of saints and angels, as with one voice we of praise we acclaim. They all conclude with a reference to the angelic hosts and a call to participate in the prayers of the angelic hosts in heaven. This is what we call the Sanctus, or the Holy, Holy, Holy. Why do we say holy three times? It is a Hebrew idiom. They do not have different words to describe a level of holiness as we have in English. Holy, holier, holiest. So saying holy three times in a Hebrew prayer is like saying, this is the holiest. The rest of the Sanctus comes from the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means Save us, we ask. At least that's the simplest translation possible. It also means a type of praise of God. I think both of these are important translations of this Hebrew word. We are calling on God to save us, which he has through Christ on the cross. We are also praising him for the work he has done in accomplishing this salvation. So this line of the Sanctus, Hosanna in the highest, is repeated and is a cry of praise for God, of God, and a cry for his salvation at the same time. Then we move into the Eucharistic prayer itself. There are ten different Eucharistic prayers in the Roman Missal. Each of them have the same parts to them, though each of them also says things in a slightly different way. We've already mentioned the preface, but there are a few words that have come to describe the next parts that you may never have heard. Epiclesis is the opening of the Eucharistic prayer proper and is an invitation to prayer. Anamnesis is the section of the Eucharistic prayer that contains the words of Jesus and the consecration of the bread and the wine. It is also called a memorial or a remembrance, which is the meaning of the word anamnesis. Oblation is the next part, which is an offering, and that is the meaning of oblation, an offering. It is an offering of ourselves in connection with the Eucharistic sacrifice. 
Intercession is the next part and invokes our prayers for the Pope and our Bishop, Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, the Saints, and includes a prayer for the deceased and all Christians. Then we have the doxology, which is normally sung on the weekends, and concludes with the great Amen. So, that is the layout. Excuse me, that is the layout of each of the ten Eucharistic prayers. But there are a few things I want to go into further. For instance, there are two sections that require the response of the entire congregation. One is the memorial acclamation. This is introduced by the priest saying or singing the mystery of faith at the end of the anamnesis. The instructions in red in the missal, you remember I talked about this, we do the red and say the black. The instructions say that this is the people's response to the anamnesis, the consecration. The presider is not to say the memorial acclamation. Concelebrating priests do say the memorial acclamation, but not the presider. There's a caution I want to mention. Every once in a while I will run across someone who thinks they should be saying the words of consecration as I say them. Usually they do this in a very low voice, but that is not allowed. Only a bishop or a priest is allowed to repeat the words of Jesus and they are required to bow in reverence as they say those words. The words of consecration are the most holy words that are said in the Mass. For many priests, I know, this is the most important part of their personal spirituality. Mine is coming yet later in the Mass, but that's for another homily. The other section that requires the congregation to respond is the great Amen. Again, the presider does not say the Amen. The word Amen is another Hebrew word that we have adapted for our prayer. It can mean a couple of different things, but basically it means I agree, I believe, or this is the truth, though the third option is not the common one. So then, these two sections, the Memorial Acclamation and the Great Amen, are the response of the congregation to the entire Eucharistic prayer. Thus, to repeat, the Eucharistic prayer, in any of its ten forms, has the following parts. Preface thanksgiving, that includes the sanctus, the epiclesis, the invocation, the anamnesis, the memorial or remembrance where the bread and wine are changed, the oblation or or the offering, the intercessions or the prayers for specific people, and the invocation of the saints, the doxology or the praise of God that ends with the great amen. Next, of course, we move to the Lord's Prayer. This is the premier prayer of the church since it came to us from Jesus himself. This is why I never want it to be sung, even though I like the melodies for it. Not everyone sings, and it needs to be pronounced by everyone. A study of our Father is something that is well worth our time, but it's a little outside of my project on the Mass. Let me simply say that the petitions or parts of the Our Father include every part of any prayer to God. It is the perfect prayer. Now, just as the Eucharistic prayer has a doxology, so does our prayer of the Our Father. Non-Catholics have taken that doxology and added it directly to to the Lord's Prayer. We have a slight intervention that the priest prays before that doxology. It is always interesting to note when praying the Our Father when there are non-Catholics present because they add that little doxology immediately. I always smile to myself. We'll pick this up again next weekend and maybe talking a little bit more about the Our Father and the following parts of the Mass, which include communion. 
and that should take us through to the end of the Mass itself, which means I will have a few weeks to go back and pick up the parts of the Creed before Father Frank returns. For those of you who may want to study ahead, look up the document by Pope St. Paul VI called Credo of the People of God. God bless.